Welcome back to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most-respected money show on radio. Um, I think now it's time we'll kind of take some listener questions that we've gotten over the week. You can send us your questions throughout the week. At uh, You can email them to drgene at hensler.com, or you can call our question hotline at 1-855-429-9166. Feel free to shoot your questions over. We'll be happy to answer them on the air. Uh, our first question comes from Craig in Peachtree City. He says, I know industrials is a tough sector, but I've been looking at Heiko Corp for a while and think this would be a good addition to my portfolio. Would this meet any of your criteria? So in short, Heiko makes jet engine replacement parts and electronic equipment through two segments. They've got a flight support group, which primarily makes aircraft engine replacement parts and services, aircraft engines. And they're actually the largest maker of FAA approved jet engine and aircraft component parts if you exclude original equipment manufacturers. Um, this makes up 63% of their revenue. The other segment is Electronic Technologies Group, which makes sophisticated electronic equipment and components for the military, aviation, space, medical, and telecom industry. So the flight support group is going to be driven by growth in commercial jet engine sales um, in the future, which is forecasted to grow by about 3.5% annually over the next 20 years, according to Boeing anyway. Um, and that excludes the purchase of new jets to replace existing jets. So good growth avenue there seems like a pretty steady business. Then the electronic technologies group is going to be largely driven by military spending. Um, under the current president, we would expect defense spending is going to continue to pick up. So um, all in all, Heiko, Heiko's growth prospects looks good. The company looks strong, but and you can see that in stock price. It's up about 40% in the last year. However, that has led to valuation looking high. You're talking uh, 47 times trailing 12-month earnings. 39 times next year's earnings. And this is actually a portfolio we recommend in our small mid-cap portfolio. So our, you know, we like the company. I don't think this is the point that you buy in. Right, right, right. Seems like they've been riding on the coattails of Boeing, which was uh, a hot, hot stock, uh, you know, of late. Also, uh, you know, further with the with the defense spending angle, I was I was just reading today that uh, there's been some speculation that. Uh, with China feeling like maybe they need to stimulate their economy here, you know, with yeah. the tariff uh, troubles, that uh, they might do that through a, a fiscal fiscal boost to their own defense spending. Really? So if you think about, you know, China boosting their defense spending, uh, surely, surely it, it for balance of power, you know, it, it as, 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 as all these as all these geopolitical relations, you know begin to deteriorate like if we're talking iran and russia it it, it could be you know it could be a steady a steady area you know absolutely um, and yeah like we said it's it's just a it's little a great company it's just you what you want to buy it at the right price right. our next question comes from elizabeth and kane we plan to give our children some stock that we have had for several years what is the tax consequence when they sell it is it the difference from the value when we gave it to them till they sell it or the difference from the value when we purchased it Jared, I'm sure you get to deal with this plenty. Yeah, and actually this is a great question and one that can actually get to be pretty complex. Uh, you know, gifting of stock is pretty common, particularly when uh, it is highly appreciated, but that is going to be more appropriate for t- a charitable giving type right. situation because when you gift it to an heir like, like Elizabeth and Kane are talking about here, um, they actually are going to inherit that basis in most cases. Um, now, Your original basis? Exactly. Whereas, So if 
if I've got a $10 basis in a stock and it's worth 25, then if I were to sell that today, I'd have a $15 gain on the stock. Um, but you know, if the same thing is going to be true, if I were to gift it to the heirs, they're going to inherit that basis and would incur the same type of capital gains treatment on that stock. Whereas, you know, if, for instance, you were to say pass away and you had some highly appreciated stock in an after-tax account, that that they stock would actually get up. yes, they get a step up in the basis. And so, if it were trading at that 25, then their basis becomes the 25, not my 10. So now, effectively, they've got a stock that's worth more with you know a basis that is much higher, which is uh, an advantage to them because they're not going to have nearly as much of a gain that they've got to consider uh, for tax purposes. Um, sure. and, and that's not going to be the case, though, if you're still alive. So, And I think, as, as you mentioned, gifting a, to, to a charity, gifting stock, I mean, that can be a great tool to to lower your, your tax bill at the end of the year as well, right? Without a doubt, yeah. The, the highly appreciated stock is probably the most commonly and most appropriate asset to gift to a charity for that very reason because – uh, unless you are, unless you own it in a taxable account and are planning to then uh, pass it on to one of your heirs who will then inherit it and get the step up, uh, that's the only way you're going to avoid the tax on that. And so there's really uh, not a good way aside from that to benefit from that holding without sort of directing it to a qualified charity so that and, and that could even be done through a charitable trust you know it's right. not that you've got to give that outright to a charity right now there's different ways to go about that but you know basis is very important obviously it's going to uh, have a, a pretty large impact on the tax treatment uh, and your tax return in general and so you know if you're if you're thinking about gifting stock to your children as far as Elizabeth and Kane are concerned you know I would say look for uh, stock that maybe is not as highly appreciated as some of the other positions in your account because that's going to you know, keep a lower so, tax. So really it depends on the use. So if it was more like education, funding, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. then maybe, maybe you'd want to have those considerations. Otherwise, you just want to set up a trust. Mm-hmm. If it's for estate planning purposes, just set up a trust, and then when you die, you do get that step up to your children. Well, the, for the step up to occur, it does have to be in an after-tax account. Uh, right. Right. Okay. So, and, and that's an important piece of that. But also, yeah, I mean, if, if I were to put it into a charitable trust right now, then I, I could benefit from the income from that and not have to worry about the tax consequence of it being sold. Gotcha. And, guys, let's hop back into taking some more listener questions. we got a few good ones this week that will kind of segue us into some more important discussions, I think. Um, that being said, we've got a question from Don in Lawrenceville. I brought, I bought extra space storage in December 2014 when it was around $58 a share. I took some profits in June 2016, thinking I had made my money. I held a bit of it when it went down. Now my little bit is a much bigger bit. What is the potential for this one? Should I trim again, back down before I lose these profits again, or should I sell out because I can't be lucky twice? Well, with this, I'd like to hit a few different areas. First of all, you know, when we manage your portfolio, we think of you know uh, rebalancing. So if you're talking about the real estate sector, it really hasn't been a high flyer here. So I would probably not be thinking of trimming there in the first place. Like we kind of mentioned earlier in the show, I'd probably look at you know some of the better performing sectors. Yeah. If uh if if I'm trying to move some things around, as far as as far as this space specifically, the storage space, it's actually one that I think we both like, Nick. Yeah, and before you dive into it, I do want to say, if you're managing your own portfolio and these kind of questions come up, think to yourself, what was my thesis when I bought this? Why did I buy right. this storage company? And 
is there a potential that that story is still intact? Because maybe things have changed dramatically, and you're like, well, you know, what I thought was going to happen has been completely scrapped. So, so be aware of that. But go ahead. Yeah. So I guess the, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of storylines here, you know, overarchingly in the storage space. If you think about the millennial demographic, you know, a lot of these folks are just now moving out of their parents' homes. They're yet to get married, yet to have kids, and I think that's when you start to really have a space crunch, you know, just thinking thematically there. On top of that, you've got some boomers getting into their elder years, probably downsizing, maybe wanting to right. hold on to some of their, you know, older furniture, antiques, et cetera, you know, the sentimental value stuff. Right. So you've got that. On top of that, there's been an obvious urbanization, you know, in, in America. Um, and we've also seen the size of, of, of apartments go down. It, it was at an average of uh, about a thousand square feet ten years ago. Now we're down to about nine hundred. So, so where's all that extra the, stuff going to go? The value proposition is somewhat attractive. I, I looked at Nashville for an example. So the price per square foot in urban Nashville is a dollar twenty-five for an apartment. It's about seventy cents for storage. So if you need that extra little bit, I mean, it's an interesting uh, spot as far as extra space storage. Uh, I actually tend tend to uh, uh, prefer public storage just because it's it it's got a little bit better profitability and when we looked at public storage the worst year they had revenue wise was down 5.8 percent so wow. you're talking about an incredibly yeah, stable companies here you know yielding you know over four percent so as far as you know if i'm making tactical changes to my portfolio here this is not where i'm going because this is you know a nice right. safe spot to be uh, right so I guess in that vein, uh, like you said, Nick, if if the reason you you buy it is still intact, then hold on, yeah, let absolutely. it run. And that is a, uh, public storage, as you mentioned, is one that we own in our equity income portfolio. So something we, we do recommend. And, and I think kind of if you think demographics and investing best based on demographics, it's something you and I talk about from time to time. Some different areas that that yeah. might benefit from from that, and one that's done extremely well recently. Um, I don't know how valuations look. But like senior care, senior care, yeah, absolutely. Another in the real estate space, and I, I think it's fairly, uh, it's a fairly obvious place. Some of the kind of the, uh, a little more under the radar things that I've thought about is like life insurance. So as you have children, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you have to think about yeah. ensuring <laughs> that they're, they're taken care of if something were to happen to you. We we've talked about uh, uh, home buying picking up potentially over the next decade. So home builders, um, you think about neonatal care, you know, as more children are to be had. Obviously, e-commerce is a theme for everyone, you know, right. millennials. But one of the other uh, ones that we've thought about is uh, private label. And that we feel like, you know, a lot of the surveys we've seen is millennials are, are more They're apt not to, brand loyal. Yeah, not as brand loyal. So, um, and, and one really funny one I thought about is jewelers. You know, maybe not the time in the cycle, but yeah, no, as people get married. And another side point, do you know Kroger owns jewelry stores? I did not know that. (laughs) Well, there you go. (laughs) There you go. Where'd you get the ring? Kroger. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they're branded different. They're branded. It's like Fred Meyer. Wow. I had no idea. That's interesting, though. Yeah, well, thank you, Jacob, for that one. Um, I, you know, we'll take one more question here, and I think this is going to kind of lead to a, a bigger conversation that will probably round out the show for us. Um, but Alice Johnson from Atlanta. We own Carlisle Companies. We have more to invest, and this company has the best P.E. ratio of all our holdings, but most analysts seem to have it as a hold. 
Are there good buys in the market right now, or would you recommend just inve- investing into an index ETF until better buying opportunities come along? So in, let's talk about Carlisle real quick, get it out of the way, and we'll have a deeper discussion on kind of how that question's phrased and maybe how some people think. Um, first off, that from a valuation standpoint, if that's the lowest PE stock in your portfolio, you're really not getting any value stocks in there because this thing's trading at 21 times earnings, which is in line with, if not slightly higher than the mid-cap uh, index as a whole. Um, but Carlo Companies is a diversified manufacturing firm. They operate a construction materials business, food service, um, fiber optics, brake and friction. So it's pretty well diversified, but a lot of dealing with plastics. Um, kind of my concern here is commercial construction uh, seems to be slowing, and it uh, accounts for 62% of revenue. All in all, it meets our criteria for investment. Um, earnings growth has been picking up, and forward-looking earnings are expected to grow at 15% a year. Um, as I said, valuation doesn't look terrible, but also not incredibly attractive. So if it's something you want to hold, I'm okay with that. Um, I don't think I'd, I'd jump in you know, hand over fist trying to buy more right now. Um, but well, and I don't want to steal you guys' thunder because I know you might be going in this direction, but I, I do just want to tell Alice that, look, just because that's the lowest one in the portfolio, is it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the best one to buy given that, um, you know, that could still be a very expensive stock. When you're talking about P.E. ratios, you really need to look peer-to-peer because you can't compare the P.E. ratio on Walmart to the P.E. ratio on Amazon, right? It's just two completely different companies. So, you know, the peers for Carlisle may have uh, – P.E. ratios that are, say, 10 to 12, and, and then you said this one's at 21, right? So right. relative to its peers, this might be a really expensive one, but just because it's got a low P.E. ratio and the lowest one in your portfolio anyways, uh, I don't know that that's going to be justification for additional buys or, sure. or adding to the position. Yeah, and so in the question says, are there good buys in the market right now, or would you recommend just investing into an index ETF until better buying opportunities come along? So First off, if you're just picking one-off stocks, you know, make sure you have a well-diversified portfolio. Don't just be trying to catch the next high flyer. If that's what you're doing, then by all means, buy an ETF. I'd rather you do that than have a portfolio of four stocks. Yeah. Um, but are there good buys in the market right now, Jacob? And this is a conversation you and I had. Uh, there are. You have I to search for are. them. There, you have to search for them. It's needle in a haystack. It is territory right now is especially when you look at broad market valuations i mean you look at you know s&p 500 median pe's price of sales they're historically elevated you know they the are. top five ten percent across most valuation metrics so if if you're saying if you're saying this is the lowest valuation uh, stock that you have and you're saying should i just go out and buy the broad market well i think that's kind of inverse thinking and that you know where we're looking is a lot. A lot of the areas that have been beaten down, like right. we like we've been talking about, consumer staple, consumer staples. You can get some low double digit, high yeah. single digit multiple stocks and consumer staples that'll pay you four and a half percent, five percent. I mean, they're tobacco. They've been beaten down. You might not love the story behind it, but I I, I do think that they look very attractive right now. Right, right. Um, yeah. and, and and what you said, buying the index ETF. When you do that, you're you're also you might get some value. You're going to get some value stocks in there, certainly, but you're also going to buy the really high multiple stocks that don't look attractive right now. So I don't necessarily think you're doing yourself a huge favor by doing that if, if your goal is to kind of buy more v- value-oriented stocks. So, mm-hmm. so Nick, we did take an opportunity to look at sector by sector what what uh, these sectors were looking like relative to their five-year, ten-year PE, and it's yeah. some of these. Some of these areas that we've been looking lately, when you're talking 
healthcare, utilities, consumer staples that are actually below their five and ten year average PEs, yeah. which compares to let's say let's information technology, technology, which is thirty percent above its ten year average PE consumer right now. Consumer discretionary it's, fourteen. Yeah. Your Amazons, your exactly. Rest, Amazon's driving yeah, that discretionary. Yeah. So it's something, something to think about overall. I'd, I'd say. Absolutely. Well, hopefully uh, that answers answers your question. Um, you know, guys, as we look ahead to the week, we got some important uh, economic releases due out. GDP. It's going to be an interesting week in the market. I think we're going to be higher. What do you guys think? I'd say higher. Buster, <laughs> come on, chime in. Higher. Yeah, it's going to be tough with these record highs. All time say we're high. going to pull back. Pull back. Uh, no. Thanks for listening to Money Talks. Have a great week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.